0: you are down with yo dave what up drop the beat we like it old school you know how we do this what you listening to the brothers from the 818 91331 what's up dave what's up caleb Real, the raw, the relevant. No script. We invite you into our conversation. What's going on, people? Let me just say this. Thank you for joining us tonight. You are down with the brothers from me well what's going on people you are back with the brothers from the 818 my name is dave as you know kicking it with my man caleb what's going on with you caleb it's good dave let's get right into it man let's check in check in you know what i'm gonna let you go first go ahead give me give me something what you got okay yeah um real quick um i'm
1: christian orthodox and uh this week we are moving towards our easter um All of uh, the rest of the Christians in the the Western Hemisphere has celebrated Easter a couple weeks ago, but the Orthodox, uh, we're about to celebrate Easter this Sunday, Um, and everything this week is leading up to Easter Day, Um, good Thursday, good Friday, and so that's my check-in. What's up with you?
0: You know, that's why I wanted you to go first, because I figured you would mention something about that. Um, You know, I just came off my fast, uh, so easing my way back into normal life and all of that. But as I said, you know, it's been a a weird time. Um, I can't complain though, right? And I feel like, you know, even though the chaos that's happening in the world and so forth, my life is good, my kids are healthy, everything is going well. Um, but I've just been, you know, focused on, you know, hey, where do you have me go with this? And, and it brings me up to a song that we'll get into later. But it's just talking about, you know, listen and and you know, be a little more tuned, a little a little more apt to listen and less apt to speak, right? So um, that jumps us right into where we are tonight. And for longtime fans of the show, this is about the quickest check-in you ever gonna see on the Brothers from the 818. Because we got so much happening tonight and I'm excited to get into it. So you ready to just do that? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. All right. So, um, tonight on the Brothers 2818, we teased it last week. We want to talk about police reform. Now, unless you're blind, dumb, crazy, cripple, <laughs> and I'm not, you did know, whatever the situation is. You've been living under a rock, you know. Um, you, you, everything from you know what's happened with uh, uh, with um, the George Floyd trial and the conviction of Derek Chauvin and uh, the shooting of the uh Makia Bryant and the just the unrest going on. You know, so just, on and so on and oh, so on and so, so on. And so so on. Right. We're seeing all of that. You know, one of the things on the Brothers from Eight One Eight that we always talk about is if we're gonna have a conversation right we want representatives from the from, from all parties and we've often said hey let's table that until we can get somebody else to talk about it because one of the things you and i highlighted a few weeks ago is we actually got to go back to our roots and just get in there and vibe on what's going on between me and you but what affects me and you affects a lot of the community that we represent affects a lot of our viewers and tonight It's about police reform, so I'm excited because we have representatives from around the community as well as a representative of the police force to talk about these issues right now, you know, from the onset, you know, we're not going to solve any problems tonight. We're not, you know, going to, you know, give everybody the answers for the world, but what we are going to do is start the conversation and we're going to get as much as we can into it. And if we got to pick it up again, we got next week, man, and we're going to do it like that and we're going to keep that going, you know what I'm saying? Let's do it, man. Let's do it. I can't wait to see our panel and our guests, man. All right. All right. So uh, I'm going to bring the panel in, uh, and then we're going to talk about a little bit of uh, what the format's going to be, and then we're going to jump right into it. So we have uh, three amazing guests uh, with us tonight. Uh, The first, his name is Zachary. I think he goes by Zach. Um, Zach is a uh, school teacher in uh, Orange County, and he's also a community activist, very uh, outspoken and well-spoken on issues that affect Uh, The community in a number of different ways, he has a unique perspective, because he spends a lot of time with students, and so he is very passionate on that on that level. But he also has perspectives from every angle from political to man to you know, a number of different perspectives plus born and raised in 714 so you know. (laughs) that's a unique perspective in and of itself, and so we welcome him to the show welcome uh, brother zach. Uh, We also have uh, Damani. Uh, Damani is a good friend of ours, man. We've been Uh, running uh, the street since the 80s from uh, Damani, we actually went to college together. Um, uh, Damani from the very beginning was one of those cats that you put him in a room and you give him a topic and he's going to tell you the way he feels about it. Right. He's going to leave you scratching your head. It's like, man, that, you know, where do you get that from? Where did that come from? Um, never been shy to speak his mind, never been shy to confront a situation, never been shy to uh, share his heart. And so, uh, plus he has some community activist ties. He's formerly of the Bay Area. He's now living in the Midwest, Um, but I thought he'd bring in a very interesting aspect to the show and we're real happy to have him on. Welcome brother Damani. And uh, last, but definitely not least, we have a representative of uh, of a large metropolitan police district on the west coast and uh, or yeah, police division on the west coast. Um, His name is Mike. Uh, Mike brings a unique perspective just uh, is a 17-year veteran of the force um, and from our conversations he's you know very upfront. he's a he's a, a father he's a, 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 a he has a career um, he's very insightful about issues such as education as far as growth what's happening in the community how we combine communities and how we you know deal with issues that not only affect You know, people who look like me and people who look like you, but just people on a general level. And so we welcome Mike to the show as well. Um, Gentlemen, we appreciate your time and you sharing this time with us on the Brothers from the 818. You are all honorary brothers tonight uh, from your individual locations. We don't share the 818 with just anybody. Maybe at the end (laughs) of the show, we'll welcome you in. Uh, But uh, welcome to the Brothers from the 818. 818. Tonight we jump. We uh, decided the best way we're going to do this show is through a town hall format. We don't get to see town halls all that often, unless you're really in the political realm. But mm-hmm. anyone who remembers the recent debates, or anytime there's an election going on, it's when you just bring people on, you hit them up with some topics. There's a um, a, a time for response. There's a time, or there's time to answer the question. There's a time for response. And it just generally goes um, around in somewhat of a circle, making sure people have uh, a a chance to talk about the issue, address the issue and so forth. Um, If you gentlemen are ready, we are going to jump right into it. Um, As you begin your answer, especially on this first question, go ahead and introduce yourself. You can say a little bit about yourself if you want, and we can uh, jump right into it. So, uh, Caleb, you ready? Yeah, let's do it, man. All right. right, So first question.
1: Let me ask uh, Zachary the first question. And so, uh, Zachary, I want you to uh, think about this question and uh, introduce yourself a little bit um, just before you start your answer. So, Zachary, what does police reform mean to you?
2: First off, uh, David, Caleb, uh, Mike, and Damani, it's a pleasure being with all you guys this evening. Uh, Really uh, uh, appreciate the opportunity to to have this time, so I am uh, from Orange County, California. As mm-hmm. Dave alluded to earlier, uh, I actually wasn't born here. I was born in Chicago, Illinois, but spent my whole life here in Orange County, California. right town, my town. I grew up in uh, Santa Ana, California,
1: mm-hmm.
2: and uh, other than uh, leaving for for college, uh, this is where I'm at and reside now. Uh, I have uh, a wife that is currently in the uh, I guess, political uh, uh, world here in uh, Orange County. Mm-hmm. And uh, part of my, I guess, my view of Orange County not only is it the best place in uh, America, but it also has a innate, well, not necessarily innate, but it also has some navigation as an individual, especially as a minority, as an African-American man. It's very important that the navigation Or navigating through Orange County is important. And where does that start with, right? We talk about police reform. Uh, And uh, Caleb, when you ask about police reform, uh, people have a variety of different ways to describe that. Uh, You know, some individuals you say defund the police. Simplest, simplest way I could put it is to change the current system we have in policing. Right, And if it means defund the police, I think it's very important that individuals understand what one may mean by it. When I hear something like defund the police or police reform, it's, you know what, making sure that we use all resources that we have available, right? And if there's access, excuse me, uh, resources that police have that could be allocated throughout the community uh, to help, I guess, so to speak, uh, in a whole 360 degree of support. It's very important. So when I talk about, when we talk about police reform, reform it's talking about ways to make sure that policing is essentially collaborating with the community and helping out uh, to to for everyone to have a, a whole 360 degree of support. So what does that look like? You're probably asking me when we're talking about reforming police uh, departments and so forth. Now, I don't have the answers to all of that, I'll be truthful and honest. But what I do know is this. Me being uh, from an education, education uh, background, uh, I've been in education for now about 12 years. Uh, I'm in, a, what do you call it, K through 12 education uh, in a, a community that's uh, 70, uh, 70% 70 uh, to 30% free to reduce lunch. Uh, we talk about a very uh, heavily populated Hispanic uh, community. So when you start talking about those things, right? us pairing or partnering with the police, right? That's the first step in my eyes, the police reform, right? Making sure that the community understands what law enforcement is there for, not only there for, but how they can partner with law enforcement to understand that it's just more than arrest or it's more than, uh, 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 you know, bad things occurring, right? It's actual partnership to, to bring uh, a not necessarily stability to the community in some, in some instances, but to gr- bring this 360 degree of support with the community and police to show that we are all in this together. Yeah. So when we talk about reform of police, that's that's one of the most important parts in, that, that I see. And what I'm here to to essentially uh, kind of allow you guys to see and, and show you is how the correlation be. Ed- between education, right, understanding what police are about, right, knowing how to navigate through those situations uh, that may arise. Being a a Black man in Orange County, I've I've gone through times where I've been pulled over for, I feel, as no reason, which it actually was no reason, uh, had run-ins with the police that that haven't been the greatest. Now, does that mean that that happens all the time? Sure, it may or it may not. Does that mean that all police officers are, uh, you know, looking just for, for a reason to, to I guess, quote unquote, mess with uh, minorities or uh, people of color? Not at all, right? There's just one or two or several situations that I may have had that others may have had as well. So when you when you look at Orange County in, in, the, in the in the in the broader in the broader perspective, so to speak, there's so much that has to do with police reform and just policing in general. There's so many layers to it. And as we get into it, we'll talk a little bit more, but I just believe that there's so many layers, but being an African-American from Orange County, right, and being a minority from Orange County, is very, very important to understand how to navigate through all of uh, the the different things that Orange County has to offer. And policing is definitely one of those things, so.
1: Yeah, David and I have, uh, on our podcast, we've discussed police reform and uh, the value of policing. You know, I have uh, friends who are on the police force. I have uh, family members that work in corrections. I have family members that's been incarcerated, right? And so um, um, certainly have had uh, some some run in with the, with the law enforcement myself by being pulled over. No incarcerations uh, to date. But um, thank you for your perspective, Zachary, I really appreciate it and I'm glad that we had a chance to allow you to uh, formally introduce yourself. So I'm going to go on to our next, our next, uh, next uh, panelists. Uh, Mike, can you hear me and if you can, uh, please introduce yourself and uh, tell, tell us a little bit about your thoughts on police reform. What, um, um, what does it mean to you? Let's
3: start there. Uh, first of all, thank you. I I appreciate it. Uh, you guys inviting me, and reason being is far too often we have discussions about police reform and we're not involving the police. And for you to invite me, um, it, it it speaks volumes about the direction we're going. Um, and I I truly do appreciate it. And already listening to Zachary, I already know that we're going to have a very positive conversation, we're going to disagree, we're going to have dissension, but that is good. I think we've gotten society into a situation where we've lost the ability to agree to disagree, and it ends up getting, we we claim to be tolerant, but the second somebody, there's dissension, we, we, we become hateful of each other, and I've seen personally, we're so divided, I've seen relationships split over these topics, I've seen you know, family members no longer speaking with each other because of social media accounts and, and posts, etc. And it's just this forum we're having right now is where is is how it needs it's going to get done is is conversations and real conversations and we're not going to like what each other's what, what we say and that's fine, but it needs to happen. And I, I truly appreciate um, being invited now. A lot was said uh, with Zachary, and, and I want to address some of it. And then I have my own ideas about police reform and that police officers sometimes look at police reform as if it's a negative, as if we're doing something wrong. One of our department's core values is quality through continuous improvement. And if we're not constantly looking for ways to improve better practices, then we're really doing a disservice to ourselves in the community. We always need to be doing police reform, regardless of the current climate and everything that's happening. We should always be working on reform. Um, just to touch on a couple things that Zach said, and then um, I'll get into my own thoughts on what we, the police culture and, and things of this nature, training, et cetera. But um, in, in our department, we do, make a tremendous effort to involve the community. We have community safety partnership to where they're not enforcement uh, oriented. They're more of let's have contacts that are just walking up and saying, hi, how are you? Um, Truth is most police contact is usually a traffic stop or a ped stop and it's negative. And we can get into the reasons why and not to blame Chief, former Chief Bratton, but when Bratton started his Comstat over in New York, he started, he made the phrase popular, uh, cops on dots. And he made this a, a hotspot policing crime trends Let's put a bunch of officers in an area because that's a high crime zone. But what he also did was require officers to produce. And you needed to sh- justify your existence, which means. Stopping people, citing people, uh, interviewing people, detaining people for all intents and purposes. And we should start thinking about showing productivity in a different manner. Mm -hmm. How many kids did you give baseball cards to today? How many uh, other? It shouldn't be productivity based on arrests. It shouldn't be productivity based on how many people you wrote tickets to. And yes, it is illegal to have quotas, but the fact of the matter is you are based on your productivity to this day. And that means stopping people. That means enforcement. But does it need to be enforcement? Can it just be positive contacts? Should the positive contacts outweigh a ticket? Uh, Et cetera. So we also have community uh, police advisory board where we have community meetings once a month in different areas of our division and throughout my city. And we ask the community, what do you want to see from your police? What's been going on in your area that you think needs to change? So we have a dialogue. Does every member of the community show up to those meetings? Of course not. But we're making efforts. Now, does the department I work for represent the entire law enforcement throughout the United States? Of course not. Are there departments that could care less what the community thinks? Of course there are. But um, I, I appreciate the fact of Zachary pointing out that not all police officers, you can't put an umbrella on every police officer and their ideology and their behavior and how they interact with people, because every we're all human beings, just like everyone else. We all carry our baggage into work that day. We all have bad attitudes certain days. We're all going to rub somebody wrong one day, and uh, and that's just life. We're all human beings. But for me to say there are no bad police officers is is completely inaccurate. Of course there are. But there's not a single profession that doesn't have bad employees. Um, I don't want to take up too much time, but I do have, you know, aside from not judging productivity on arrests, citations, et cetera, and we should judge productivity on uh, positive contacts, is education. I know Zach mentioned education. Critical thinking is huge on this department and or on this, this occupation. And critical thinking, education, allows for critical thinking. It's already – evidence has already shown that officers who are educated and who have advanced critical thinking, personnel complaints are lower. Excessive force uh, are lower. lower. So it's beneficial. Um, And we need to also define – in regards to police reform, is this a job or is this a profession? And there's not a single profession out there that doesn't have education, whether you're a doctor, lawyer, an accountant. uh, Why aren't we educating police officers more before they come on the job? Why aren't we giving them critical thinking skills prior to coming on to the job? Um, Education uh, allows for that. However, there's a caveat to education and there's a caveat to critical thinking. When the recession hit and Uh, police departments suffered from hiring we were we're getting few officers to come onto the job and more often than not I was a training officer back in 10 11 when the recession hit or maybe 12 and the recruits that were coming out were college educated but job or their heart really wasn't in the right place And, and what I mean by that is they were college educated, couldn't find a job anywhere else, decided, oh, I might as well be a cop and came on the job. Critical thinking skills, great. Could could write, could articulate, however, could not react. So critical thinking can take you only up to a certain point and you need to react. There's a time and a place to think about what you're going to do. This is not a script. You need to react. And what I found, not with all, but with some, is they had the critical thinking, but they lacked the reaction. Um if I see someone walking down the street, they look at me and start digging in their waistband. And I say, grab that person, and they look at me like you need to react. It's time to react. You can't right. think anymore.
1: Right. It's
3: time to get out of the car and and do something. So there's a caveat to education. You need to have both. Um, and, and I could go on and on, but Domani, I wanna give you some time. But yes, we need yeah. We need reform. Hey, Mike, I really appreciate it.
1: Um the way that you laid out your response, um, you know, something that you you probably don't know about me is that I spent 24 years in the military. Um, half of that time was as an enlisted soldier and then a, as an officer. Um, and we always talked about um, fixing our foxhole, right? And you were talking about reform and what that looks like. Um, and uh, I think you said, um, um, quality through continuous improvement, and so that's that's the foxhole reference. Um, so I really appreciate that. I um, and other things that you that you shared. So thank you for your insight and your perspective. Demani, what's up, man? Just as long as you don't talk about what went on in those streets of Oakland, we'll be good, brother. Uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and tell us uh, what you think about uh, police reform. What does it mean to you? <laughs>
4: Well, first I want to open up, say that I am honored to be amongst my friends and my brothers. (laughs) Mike, I I am elated to have an officer as part of this conversation. As Caleb alluded to, I am born and raised in the streets of Oakland, California. I was born to two parents that was active in the Black Panther movement. My mother is still alive today, is upset that we in 2021 are still talking about the same things they fought against then, police police injust- uh, brutality, uh, political, uh, social injustice, uh, voting rights, and things of that nature. With today, coming I mean, from my background in Oakland, it was a friend who died in my hands in the hallways of Oakland Tech in 1986. It wasn't Columbine. It was just another day in Oakland Public Schools. It was that moment I made a promise with that friend that I would do something different with my life. And that led me on the path to college where I met Dave and a plethora of other people have taken me around the world. And I am proud and honored to say, and I make no bones about this, I have friends that work on Wall Street, and I got friends that are behind walls that wish they was on the street. But I don't love them any different. hmm on the topic of police reform, I feel strongly and passionately saying that I am a person who got in the middle of a confrontation with, a, with two police officers arresting a young man. And I told two police officers straight to their face, you're gonna have to shoot me first before you take this man. And I didn't know him from Adam, I just got involved. Found out a 15 year old kid. And some years later, 26 years later, well, let's say roughly about eight, nine years later, that same kid, now a grown man, showed up at the at, uh, California State University of Hayward, And he recognized me on site. And he went through the story and I was like, it, it just blew me away. So you'd be surprised the little things that plant seeds later on in life.
1: Mm-hmm. And the
4: seed was planted in me as well. In the topic of police reform, I don't, there is no way you can reform subconscious bias. We have watched thousands of hours of footage of our nation's capital, and Caleb, you being a military man, our nation's capital being attacked. And at no point in time, lethal force even came into the conversation. The one shot that was fired because a person got too close to Mike Pence was the only shot fired in that incident. There was hundreds of lethal force incursions in that whole incident, which lasted six hours. Professional boxers boxed twelve rounds back in the day, and that was considered a long time. I can't imagine fighting for my life for six hours or three hours or however long it took for them to draw for weapons. So what I when I use that as the premise is there's no justification for lethal force on routine traffic style. unless that person jumped out of the car with an Uzi and shoot moving like they do on TV, right. which we haven't seen yet. And I mentioned earlier, I live in the Midwest. I live not too far from the Kenosha shooter, who 17-year-old kid from another state, which Illinois is, is a neighboring state to us. Shout out to them shytown town cats. <laughs> <laughs> Hmm. In Illinois is a neighboring state and he didn't live too far across state lines. But he shot two people, surrendered himself to the police and they just waved him on his way. And he's gone, gone. On. He got arrested back home in another state. All on video. We just had, uh, the, 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 the person that got ran over. It was, um uh, the guy, the police came to his house. I think, I want to say, I wrote it down. I think he was in Minnesota. Yeah, he was in Minnesota. And the police, they rammed the car. He dumped in, he hit him with a hammer. He drove off with the police officer arm and thing. He got arrested without incident. So it seems you know when to use lethal force, and you know when not to. And, I, and reform, if, if there's any, it has to be punitive, straight out. If more police officers are getting arrested for killing unarmed people, especially black people, and I won't say people of color because that becomes this ambiguous thing, but there are white people who commit these crimes as well, they often end up going to jail. They get arrested without incident. Training in some case, education in some case, I won't you know paint that with a broad brush, but police reform in my mind if we're if if we're not human beings we we're just we're just going down a rabbit hole having these conversations
1: you know um thank thank you for that and um uh thank you for mentioning the uh, civil unrest in, in the capital you know when david and i came up with this with this uh this topic we thought well you know we'll throw out a couple of questions maybe we'll get through them but um It looks as if we're going to need some more time to get through the 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 rest of the questions for sure um i'm glad that no one mentioned defunding the police because um even even with my um interactions with the police force i need a police officer to be able to come in and pick up the pick up the bodies that's in my house if someone breaks into my house right i need them to come in and take take note that okay well the door was kicked in and the body was laying on the floor right um i'm i i am a i am a believer that the uh, um the defunding the police is a is a wrong um uh, coin term for uh police reform um and but nobody mentioned the the need for um um for regulating like um uh, some of the 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 the, the Chokeholds and the um, um, nobody mentioned the um, police accountability, and so um, so a police officer can't move from one state to the next state to one agency to the next agency, and so those are some of the things that I think of when we think about police reform, Um, but um, uh, or removing removing bad apples. I heard Mike talk about. Um, more training that is needed, and the community act, the, the community uh, uh, act, activities, and 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 uh, more community um, involvement. I really think that that uh, speaks to uh, where I land on police reform. How about you, Dave?
0: Man, I'm I'm really trying to, as I said, you know, listen more, um, speak less. I, I have so many questions. I just feel like you know, some of it will will just happen. Um, Uh, organically, what I do want to point out, I I think each of you and I just really, I really appreciate what I'm just going to call blanket candor, candor uh, in your answers, but um, hearing uh, uh, Zach open up with, you know, partnering and pairing as uh, that 360 response, right, Mm -hmm. hearing um, Officer Mike uh, talk about the, um, you, you said something that just really resonated with me because I've been in corporate America, so to speak, uh, in different facets for about 30 years or so. And the one thing I've realized is that not everyone is meant to do the job that they're being hired for or that they're applying for. And and, and uh, Zach, you can appreciate this because not every person you know that's a teacher should be. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Just like every person that claims to be a politician or not should be president or anything else, any area you want to talk about. So, Mike, to hear you even mention that, yeah, during a certain season and maybe that season comes and goes or maybe for different reasons, people get into policing for various reasons. And they may have they may be a sharpshooter, but not know when to shoot. They may have good community relation skills, but no reaction time. They may have excellent reaction time, but no cooth. Right. They may uh, uh, submit to authority, but run from danger. Right. And so that training philosophy needs to envelop all and and money. I really appreciate, you know, your angle just from pointing out that, look, if we're going to throw this up in the air and call it what it is. This group of people are being looked at and handled at a very different realm than this group of people. And if people are upset about that comparison, then I say stop watching it happen because that's what's going on. And so when I hear each of you, I'm super encouraged, but like Caleb said, I'm like, man, some of these questions, some of you are touched on, but we might be here with this one for the rest of the night because I I think it really uh, went a little farther. So I wanna pause there, do some more listening. Before we even move on, I wanna give either of you an opportunity to respond to anything that either of you said. Because I think that's important for this conversation that, as you said, Mike, we are in a society where I will disown my mother because she disagrees with something I said, right? And that's so sad that we've been taught that the immediate way to deal with disagreement is separation, right? and all of a sudden we can't talk we can't communicate you can't see it the way i'm going to i see it well you know what we're not going to see things the same why because i was born in my shoes you were born in yours and as much as i could claim similarities with each with with any of you i could name five ten instances on any given day where you're going to handle that situation differently than me and so i really want to open it up back to the three of you before caleb or i do anything because you know, we could really just go back and forth, but this show is not really about what we're thinking. Um, but, um, you know, Mike, if, if if I'll even throw the ball to you, if, if you have any thoughts regarding anything that uh, Brother Zachary or Brother Damani said, um, I would love to hear uh, a question you want to ask them or, you know, response to anything that they
3: said. Yeah, absolutely. There's a lot. I was taking notes. Um, so I'm going to kind of jump around based on what was said in the so it won't be chronological of what was what was said, but uh, so implicit bias. Um, so off-duty I teach as well, and we discuss in, implicit bias. And I asked my class, I said, now who, who in this classroom thinks that they're free of bias? Uh, and inevitably I'll get someone to raise their hand and, and I'll say, okay, well how do you feel about child molesters? And, and we all have them. Um, now whether we act on them is something completely different, but we all have biases. Um, I don't know if you, you guys are aware, but NYPD uh, received training on implicit bias. and And even though every single officer mm-hmm. admitted that it kind of changed their perception and their knowledge of their own bias, 50% of the stops they made were Black people prior to the training. After the training, being aware of their implicit bias, 57% were stops. So they stopped more Black people after the training. So training necessarily isn't the answer uh, all the time. Um, uh, Damani, you mentioned unarmed. That's a very sexy term that the media loves to throw out. When police officers read a headline of unarmed, and in particular, unarmed black men, it's more important to look at the actions rather than whether they were armed. I can shoot somebody who's unarmed. I can shoot somebody who's strangling somebody to death. I can shoot someone who's beating them with their bare hands. Um, I can shoot someone who's drowning someone. So I would rather look at their actions rather than if they were armed. Um, Of course, officers have shot someone who were unarmed believing they were armed and those officers need to be held accountable. Um, Another topic that was brought up was the shooting of the black people, in particular, um, this is this is going to create some dissension. But of course, we're all here, and I'm going to say it, and we can, you know, ring the bell because here we go. But police killed twice as many white people as black people. Um, the day of uh, the knife shooting in Ohio, LAPD shot a white man in the valley, and it wasn't even mainstream media. So who had a knife? So I think what's happening, and you guys, please feel free to chime in on this, is that we are focusing on, through media, through social media, only one instance of shooting, and that is the shooting of Black people. And therefore, it's created a perception that the police are out systematically shooting and killing Black people. And there is no study that exists to justify those allegations. As a matter of fact, Ronald Fryer from Harvard, an economics professor, did a study that proved the exact opposite. There was no uh, shooting of of black people. Um, so I, I have a I, I think we've created a perception that we're targeting, um, and I, I disagree. I, I disagree with that. That we're we're going out there. As a, as a profession, as a whole that we're going out there and targeting uh, and shooting black people. Um, what else? Uh, we mentioned, Damani, you mentioned these, these circumstances and, and they deserve to be mentioned, but I think it also deserves mentioning that there's almost 700,000 cops and 18,000 police departments who do 40 million stops a year So you literally have a better chance of being struck by lightning than shot by the police. And I think that needs to be mentioned. Um, And then I'll touch on qualified immunity and then we can go from there. But uh, qualified immunity is just that I need to qualify for it. That does not mean that I can put on my gun belt and go out and say, I'm going to start shooting people because I'm going to have immunity. I need to qualify for that. They need to look at what I did. Was that in the scope of my duties? Was that justified, et cetera, et cetera. So um, we – it's not just a given that what we did is a, a free-for-all. We can't just go out and do whatever we want. Uh, so – and and I think that's what you're referring to with with the uh, the protections uh, within the criminal justice system as cops is, you know, if, co- if an officer does something, they need to be held accountable. They should be held accountable because every time they're not – It gives the perception that cops can get away with anything like murder. And when cops do something wrong, they need to go to prison like everybody else that needs to happen. It's accountability. It's what started the riots in 92 was not the beating of Rodney King. It was the verdict of not guilty is what pissed everybody off. It was lack of accountability that started the riots, not the beating itself. It was no accountability on police. So, Police officers need to be held accountable like everybody else. Go ahead, Damani.
4: Yeah, and again, thank you, Mike. I, I really appreciate it. Uh, again, with my educational background, I know that statistical information can fit any model if you adjust it properly. Statistically speaking, there are more white people in the society than there are Black. So I'm expecting if people are getting shot by the police, I'm expecting there to be more than Black. Um, But there's some snapshots we want to plant in your mind. Again, I live in Wisconsin, not too far from where Kyle Rittenhouse shot those people. By police procedure, shooting occurred not too far from where they were located. And there was a crowd of people screaming like, hey, he just shot those three people. And he walked to the police with a gun, AR-15, America's rifle, and they just waved them off. Ridden house was black. Would that have happened in that exact same scenario? I don't want to, the answer is rhetorical. We live in a time, I live literally in a place where I can get in my car and go to downtown Starbucks and there are white men armed with AR-15s on their shoulders. Wisconsin is an open carry and a concealed carry state. And no one will bat an eyelash. They can have the militia patches or, or whatever, just normal hunting season attire. No one bat an eyelash. But three black men walking that same Starbucks, and so much as not buy a, a scone in three minutes warrants a police call. And for me and Dave's era and me and Caleb, that would sound crazy to us because the police actually came. Back in our day, you call the hey, some black eyes <laughs> here. Uh, I want them to leave, and the police would have been like, okay, are they hurting anyone? Are they threatening you? Did they <laughs> brandish a weapon? You, you, you know what I mean? They're like, no, they just ain't, they just sitting here, they ain't bought nothing. And the police came, and watching the video was even hilarious, at least to me, because in our generation, first of all, the police came, and they was bicycle cops. When well, you going to go to jail, they're going to put you on a handlebars. You're going to throw yourself to death? And that was hilarious. Then you you have, I, I just I was going over some stuff with some of my students. And some of my wife's students. My, my wife is a counselor in a high school year. And they happened to go into the videos talking about Dylan Roof. They were talking, doing some research or whatever. And 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 she mentioned, she said, My husband, he follows some of these things, you know, maybe he might have some information. And I just sent them the video of the dash cam of Dylan Roof being arrested. The dash damn video showed that Dillard Roof got pulled over, looked like a routine traffic stop, police surrounded him because they knew who he was, and then they put their holster, they put their guns in their holster. They just opened the car door open like it was day pregnant They put him down, handcuffed him, and that was it. Then, then we find that they, they didn't dump all his stuff out of the car looking for a weapon. They just closed the car door back. Then took then we all know they took him to Burger King on the way to jail. We got Derek Chauvin here in the Midwest again. He he, he requested that you know while he was doing his time that only white officers could take him back and forth to jail. What, what, what criminals ever got that? Uh, we're in the same area where um, uh, what's what's the uh the Black Cop um, Muhammad Nuor. He shot the the white lady Justin diamond. He, he didn't get no face of so what color the, the COs was gonna be to take him off. So did they, it, these these snapshots in your mind like like what, that, was, that that doesn't make sense. In the the um, Breonna Taylor case, the officers that got tried in the Breonna Taylor case, their sins was wandering endangerment, and wandering endangerment was the wooden holes that went into the sheetrock rock that potentially could have killed the white neighbors next door. They didn't get sentences for actually killing this woman. And again, if she was white, if she was Mexican, if she was Asian, would that have been the same thing? I, I, it it just, just blows my mind. I I sat down with my wife, with the the 16-year-old girl that got shot. I sat her down and I said, honey, this shooting was justified. And she looked at me like I was crazy, like... I said, no. I'm looking at police procedures. I'm looking at the situation that led up to it. And when you listen to the 911 call, they call the police. Because these people were threatening them outside of their home. Once you call the police, you are to stay in the house. Because the police are going to come on scene. They don't know who's who. You don't have a uniform on and say, we're a good guy. We're the homeowners. We're the <laughs> you, you stay in the house. Once you call the police, you stay in the house and let them handle whatever's outside. And then you come out and say, hey, these people threatened me. They were trying to kick in my door or whatever it may have been the case. Now, if they got into your house, okay, then you... Use your knife, bat, gun, whatever you got to do to defend yourself. I told her, I said, if they didn't call the police at all, they just said, We're going to handle it ourselves. Went out there and got the throwing of dogs and a knife came out. They still would have had to deal with the consequences after the fact. And then we watched the, the police officer's camera. She had a knife and she was going to stab this woman that whoever was her adversary. Mm. And he did his training. He he tried to, to save this other woman's life. And had he not fired that shot, oh, that woman would have got stabbed and she probably would be dead, black or otherwise. So mm-hmm. I was like, okay, we, we took an L on that one. And it would upset me as a father. The father came in screaming, oh, you killed my girl. You, you kill you and I was like, no, dude, you supposed to have that control over your child. because She wasn't supposed to be, out there fight with a weapon my daughter's 11 right now i you ain't going out there to fight nobody <laughs> and if it got to the point where a police call was made you know them lines would have been there you, you, you know what i mean and, and again i i live in the area of open carry concealed carry state mm-hmm. I'm, I'm the next state over from where philando Castillo got killed went through standard procedures here's my driver's life registration if my concealed weapons, <laughs> like me. shouldn't be unusual.
0: You know, Damani, uh, uh, Zach, if you want to chime in or Mike, if you want to respond, I want to allow for that. But one of the things I want to make sure that we point out in what you said mm-hmm. is I, I like how you made the distinction between the different cases. And I, I'm not sure who mentioned it before. I should have been paying closer attention, but. When we look at police reform, it's very easy to take the wide brush and just wipe it across everything, right? And we have to be careful when we're using wide brush. There's not a person on this screen or even watching that hasn't picked up a paintbrush at one time or another. And there are times when a wide brush is gonna do the job. There's times when a roller is going to do the job. There's times when you can stand back and press the aerosol can and let it do a mass cover. And there's times you gotta get low and slow with the detailed brush and look at an instance for what it is. Now that's hard. I'll be the first to say, that's hard. Devani, I'm encouraged that even with an 11-year-old daughter, knowing where you grew up, the things that you've seen, that you can take a step back and offer your opinion to say that this case was justified because of X, Y, and Z. There's millions of people in the world that will agree with you. There's billions that will disagree. There's officers that will agree. There's officers that will disagree. There's definitions of lethal force versus non-lethal force. There's understanding of what can you do to encourage or stop. There's people that are bystanders that say, but she was just a kid. But three seconds ago, you were kicking someone in the head. You know, there's people step in and out of an element. So I appreciate the transparency. And that's a word we haven't got to use tonight yet. But I'm really feeling the transparency that's happening here. And I'm encouraged by it. For anyone watching this show, I hope you're encouraged by it. I mean, the point of what Caleb and I are doing here is really social consciousness, bringing awareness to scenarios, having conversations and involving people so now you can go and have conversations and involve people. Because if you stick with the same crowd, If you only talk about police reform about three with four of your friends and all of you have nothing but but stories to share about how you've just been harassed by the police, then you're never going to get anywhere because you're just going to sit there and agree and agree and agree and agree. On the opposite, if you just have shots about police talks about police reform. Your, your grandfather was a police officer, his four sons were police officers, you're, you're a police officer, your wife is, your kids are in the academy. You're gonna see a whole different lens because there's no one else in there offering any type of opinion that's different. And even amongst our closest friends, we're afraid often to show a different opinion because we don't wanna be isolated from the conversation next time. So I'm glad we're able to have these conversations. And honestly, there's so much I can say. I'm just, I'm listening. Right, because this isn't over for me this is what's starting here and it's gonna go somewhere else and I'm gonna be able to re-engage reapply you know add, add these conversations up so I'm really encouraged I, I really appreciate it so I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna put a hard pin there um uh for the moment uh where we're getting uh to that time um and I look forward to um, continuing this conversation the next time on the brothers for an 818 y'all keep coming back will be right here.
3: You are down with the brothers from the A1.